Well, I don't know if you've ever been truly lost. I have been lost a few times in my life. Once I got lost uh, in a shopping centre as a little kid and uh, my uh, mum uh, didn't find me for a couple of hours, so a few uh, speaker announcements later, I was found. Uh, once got lost driving to York, I took a wrong turn and ended up going to Geraldton. So that was a little bit of a fail. It was before Google Maps, so I was flying by the force. But I didn't really know what was lost was like until I got lost in a, a dark cave in Margaret River. I was leading a, a group of high school students on a scripture union camp and uh, we were, you had to find the next reflective marker to get through the cave. And I was leading the group and so I was finding the markers and we couldn't find the marker. And so I kind of took it on myself to find the next one, jumped down a hole I left the group there and looked back up and saw that it looked like a whole bunch of holes all the same that I'd come out of and I didn't know which one to go into. So I picked one, which was the wrong one, and went down further into the depths of the cave and uh, started to panic a little and then my torch started to flicker on and off and I really started to panic and that day I came to understand a deeper sense of lostness. Obviously, I made it out, here I am. Uh, the group had actually found the next marker and were close to the end of the cave. So, my bad. But today we're looking at being lost. Jesus tells this parable uh, to, in the context in uh, Luke 15 of the Pharisees, the religious rule keepers of the day. And he tells it to them for a very important reason. And it's for us as well this morning, for us to see a deeper sense of lostness. We're going to be challenged this morning to see if we are actually got some of those tendencies about us. Are we living a life that is a little bit lost? And there's two ways to be lost in this parable. Jesus tells us the father and his two sons. And what Jesus is doing is he's opening up our hearts to whether we've strayed from the God who made us. But the good news is that Jesus tells this parable so that we might be found, that he might show his amazing love and grace to us. We most of us probably already know this parable. It's quite a well-known one, isn't it? And usually when we read it, we think a lot about the younger son. It's a huge dramatic story. He is rebellious. We read that that younger son, he treats his father like he's dead. He wants his father's stuff. He doesn't care about his father. He uses up all the stuff, becomes, uh, gets in the pigsty and uh, comes to his senses and realises, hang on, I've been stupid, I've been rebellious, I'm going to turn back. And as he's on the way, his father sees him at a distance and girds up his loins, literally, and runs towards the son. The, the father comes out and uh, it's a powerful moment where the sinner turns back to God and is forgiven. It's amazing. The wild, rebellious son grabs our attention, doesn't it? But it's not where the story ends. We're going to spend a few minutes looking at the, the second half of the parable about the older son. Because in him we see a, dip, a different type of lostness. 
And if you're following along, you've got that little handout in your, uh, um, in your handouts there. There's three points and we're at the first one. Being very good can make you very lost. When the young uh, son returns home, it's the greatest day of the father's life, isn't it? My son was lost, he's found. He was dead and now he's alive again. The rebel has returned, he's repented. He's asked for forgiveness and the father has accepted him with open arms. He kills the fattened calf. It's an extravagant party. Absolutely amazing. There's celebration in heaven when a sinner repents. But did you notice what the older brother is doing? He's in the field. Working. That's what older brothers do. If you've got your Bible open, have a look at verse 25. The older brother was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dance, and he called one of the servants and asked, what do these things mean? He said, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. And what does the older brother do with that news? Verse 28, he gets angry and refuses to go in. The older son realised his father's joy about his rebellious younger brother being accepted back. He realises his father's joy, but he won't be a part of it. It's a huge act of disrespect to the father. I won't be a part of this family or respect your decisions, dad. And do you notice what the father does? Verse 28 continues. He was angry. He refused to go in. And what does the father do? His father came out. He treats him the same. When the younger son is at a distance, the, the, the father comes out and runs to him. And the father does the exact same thing with the older brother. Comes out and entreats him. Come in to the, the party. But the, the older brother would not. You see what Jesus is saying here. It's, obviously, the father is God. And the feast is the feast of salvation. God is the father. The feast is salvation. So in the end, the younger son, the rebel who's forgiven, comes in and is saved. And the older son, who is good, refuses to go in and is lost. See, the Pharisees are listening to this. The religious, good, upright people, the law keepers. And Jesus is telling that story for them. See, what's keeping the older brother out? Well, verse 29, have a look. He answered his father, Look, these many years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your command. So the good son, the elder brother, he's not lost in spite of his good behaviour, he's lost because of his good behaviour. It's not his rebellion keeping him out, it's his righteousness. The elder brother isn't lost even though he's a good person. He's lost because he's a good person. We know the younger brother wanted his father's money, didn't he? He wanted his father's stuff and not his father. So he got what he wanted by breaking the law, breaking the rules. But in the end of the story, it comes clear, becomes clear that the elder brother also wanted selfish control of his father. He wasn't happy with the way his dad used the possessions. 
the robe, the ring, the calf. So while the younger brother got control, he got what he wanted by taking stuff and running away and being very bad. The older brother got control, got what he wanted by staying home and being very good. Two types of lostness. One is by breaking the rules and being bad. One is by keeping the rules and being very good. See, if I can be so good that God answers my prayers, if I can do the right thing that somehow I influence God to treat me well, if I can do that, then Jesus is not my saviour. He's my helper. He's my rewarder. He's not my saviour. I am my saviour. Tim Keller writes a book called Prodigal God and he says the difference between a religious person and a Christian is that a religious person obeys God to get control over God, to get things from God. But a Christian obeys God to get God, to love him, to please him because he is already loved and accepted. You see how we can move from what God has done for us to what we do for God. When we rely on that, it's called legalism. I obey God, therefore God owes me. God accepts me. I don't know if you've ever seen those um, performers who spin the plates on the little plastic rods. They put a plastic rod on the, on the stage and they spin a plate on it. And then they do it again and again and again and again. They spin the plate, spin the plate, spin the plate. And I was watching a guy do it. Um, you can YouTube it later if you want. It's quite amazing. Spinning the plates, spinning the plates, spinning the plates. And all of a sudden he's got nine or ten plates spinning. And the first one starts wobbling as if it's about to fall. But he just runs back just in time and starts spinning it again. And that's a bit like the elder brother. That's the life of a legalist. It's a flurry of activity. It becomes like plate spinning performance. I'll do my Bible reading. I'll do my prayers. I'll give money. I'll help people. Oh, hang on. I've got to do that one again. And it goes, God, can you see what I'm doing for you? Can you see my performance? That's an elder brother. Lord, can you see how good I'm being? I'm doing my part. Now you do yours. Being very good can make you very lost. So here's the question for us this morning. Are we plate spinning for God? Look, Lord, I'm doing a great job here. Surely you'll bless me now. Surely I've done my part. You do yours. Being very good can make you very lost. Secondly, lostness shows itself in time. I was once in a conversation with a Catholic priest and a Seventh-day Adventist about uh, God's grace. Sounds a bit like a joke, doesn't it? There was a Catholic priest, a Seventh-day Adventist and a Christian pastor. It wasn't a joke. It was a very strange conversation. And the Catholic priest said, yes, we're saved by grace. But you must do penance. You must pray to Mary. Come to church every week. Uh, confess regularly to a priest. The Seventh-day Adventist said, yes, we're saved by grace, but you must keep Saturday as your Sabbath. And I just said, you're saved by grace. 
We don't bring anything to God to earn his favour. Can you see what they were doing? They were saying we're saved by grace, but actually they were living by works. They were living by what they did. They put, they'd added things to Jesus. And you know the maths? Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. If you add anything to the gospel of Jesus, I must do this, I must do that, you have nothing. So let's have a quick deep dive into this uh, older brother, because I think there's five characteristics of the elder brother-ish attitude from the parable, and the hope is that uh, we'll take the chisel out and God will chisel some of this elder brother-ish tendencies from out of my heart, out of your heart. Five things. You probably already saw them. The first one, an elder brother has a deep anger, gets angry really quickly. Did you see that? All these years I've served you. I've never disobeyed you, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate my, with my friends. He feels like he's owed something and he gets very angry. God owes me a comfortable life free from problems. God owes me a good life. If do, and if God doesn't come through, if God doesn't give us what we want, what happens? We get upset. We get angry. That's elder brotherish tendencies. And if someone else gets a better life than me, someone else receives a blessing from God. Jealousy, anger, envy. Why do they get the good stuff? I've served you much better than them. I've been a Christian much longer than them. A deep anger. Number two, there's a joyless obedience. Did you see it in verse 29? All these years I have been what? Literally slaving for you. There's a mechanical obedience. I'm always in the field. I'm always working hard. Elder brothers obey God. That's what they do. And when it gets hard, what do they do? They push through. Keep obeying no matter what. All these years I've obeyed you and you never gave me dot, dot, dot. Elder brotherish tendencies, get angry. Joyless, mechanical obedience. Number three, a coldness to younger brother types. Did you see that? In verse 30, the older brother refers to his younger brother as what? This son of yours. He won't even say my brother. It's this son of yours. There's a coldness to younger brother types. I am better than you. I've been Christian longer than you. They feel superior. Uh, you don't know as much as I do. I'm much more godly than that sinner who just repented over there. I've been doing this a lot longer. I've got better Bible knowledge. I've been serving longer. There's a coldness to younger brother types. Number four, a lack of assurance of the father's love. Verse 29, the older brother says to his father, you never gave me a party. What's going on there? You never gave me a party. There's a lack of assurance of the Father's love, isn't there? You see, as long as we're trying to impress God with what we do, we'll never be sure if it's good enough. 
people who don't have rock-solid assurance of the Father's love feel ongoing punishment for sin. When things go wrong, you think, am I being punished here? People who don't have rock-solid assurance of the Father's love feel unmovable guilt. Maybe I need to repent more deeply. Beat yourself up over it. People who don't know the rock-solid love of the Father don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus in prayer. Prayer is nothing. A deep anger, a joyless obedience, a coldness to younger brother types, a lack of assurance, and lastly, an unforgiving judgmental spirit. You see it. The older brother does not want his father to forgive the younger brother, does he? He finds it very hard to forgive and easy to judge. There's a lack of humility, there's a lack of grace, and that comes across in criticism of others. It's an attitude, I know better than you and I'm going to tell you. They justify themselves and condemn others. It's impossible to forgive someone if you feel, I would never do that myself. There's a lack of understanding of grace. A deep anger, a joyless obedience, a coldness to rebellious forgiven sinners, a lack of assurance and an unforgiving judgmental heart. Doesn't sound very good, does it? So what do we do? Well, the answer is we can't do anything. But God can. And he has in Jesus Christ. The sweet news of the gospel is there is a true elder brother one who came out, who wouldn't just go from the country to the countryside searching for us, but would go from heaven to earth to find us. Tim Keller uh, recalls in his book about a story about a young man who was a US soldier in the Vietnam War, and he went missing. And they tried all the channels to find this, uh, this uh, guy. And his older brother was in the US and heard that his younger brother was missing. They couldn't find him. So what did he do? He flew from the US to Vietnam and searched. He searched and he searched and he searched. And he found his younger brother and he became known as the brother and both sides respected this guy. He searched and he searched until he found. That older brother went out, searched for his younger brother at his own cost, risked his life, to find him. And that's what the elder brother in the parable should have done. Surely he would have thought, hang on, my younger brother has been really dumb, really stupid, and he's lost. I'm going to go get him. I'm going to go bring him back, and I'm gonna, we're going to party. Come on, man. But no. That is the elder brother we do have. That is what Jesus does. The father tells the elder brother, everything I have is yours. And that is literally true of Jesus, isn't it? Everything is in his hands. The father and the son are one. But Jesus does not stay there in heaven. He leaves and comes to earth to find us. He made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being found in the likeness of man. What does Jesus do? He finds us in the pigsty, grabs us, puts us over his shoulder, and takes us home. In the story, the rebellious son repents. 
he turns back to the father and his father comes out. The father humbles himself, comes out and finds him. The elder brother, well, the father also treats him like that, comes out and entreats him, come back. And what does Jesus do? He comes. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. So the question for us this morning is, are we lost? It's two types of lostness. One's obvious, rebellious, ignoring God, living in his world, but enjoying everything that he gives. Using his stuff, but not caring about him or maybe shaking your fist at him. I'll do it my way. That's one type of lostness. The other type is like an obedient older brother living a good life, thinking somehow God owes you. Somehow you're earning your way to favour, relying on your goodness. Both are lost. Either way, Jesus comes to save lost people like that, like you and like me. Jesus literally takes the lowest place. He humbles himself, comes, becomes obedient to death on a cross. What does Jesus do when he comes and dies on the cross? What happens at that moment? There's a great exchange, isn't there? At that moment, he gives his possessions, his life. He gives us his robe, his righteousness, his ring, his place, his wealth. The great exchange is he says, Matt, have my robe of righteousness and I will take your filthy rags of sin. Seems too good to be true, doesn't it? But that is what he does. Put this ring on your finger. You are now mine. At the cross, Jesus says, everything I have is yours. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. I give it to you for free. So just say for a moment that brother who went to Vietnam, the older brother, was searching for his younger brother and he found his younger brother, but his, his younger brother was injured. What would he do? Would he not take him to hospital, pay the bills, absolutely everything, look after my younger brother? If, if the younger brother needed a transfusion, rare blood type, and only the older brother was a match, wouldn't the older brother give his life? And when he's better, would he not give him clothes and food? And would he not take him home? Can you see that's what Jesus does for us? Gives us his righteousness. He takes our filthy rags of sin. He clothes us. He comes, he searches, he finds, he dies for us, clothes us with righteousness, feeds us with his word by his spirit and then takes us home. That's God's word to us this morning. Our Father in heaven loves you and me to the point of death on a cross. Whether you're lost in rebellion or lost in your righteousness. Whether you're a rebellious younger brother tendencies or righteous older brother tendencies. Our Father in heaven loves us to the point of death on a cross. Being very good can make you very lost and your lostness will show over time. But the elder brother, the true elder brother, Jesus, has come to seek and to save you.
So turn to him. Put your trust in him. Stop trusting in your righteousness. Stop basking in your rebellion. Turn to Jesus, trust in him, and follow him home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this simple parable.